Well, grace and peace, everybody. This is Pastor Leon, and this is Pastor Cast number 46. And we are in episode six of the series that we've been doing uh, for uh, this particular season that we are in, this challenging season of quarantines, shelter in place orders, self isolation, social distancing, all the rest of it. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a challenging season to be sure. Uh, but, uh, it's one that we've, uh, we find ourselves in nonetheless. <clears throat> and, uh, as, uh, we continue this series that we've been working on for Habakkuk, um, one of the things that I have, um, uh, come to realize more and more is that this particular study that we're doing is one that was so timely. Um, you know, we are in a season of challenge and of uncertainty. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, anxiety that surrounds the situation that we're in. And a lot of people are trying to figure out like what's going on, like where can we find meaning in all of this? The thing that I think I've actually been encouraged by the most has been, uh, the, the way that, uh, we, we all seem to be approaching it, that people for the most part. And in, in the community with it, which I live. So I live in Austin, Texas. So if you're listening to this and you're somewhere else, uh, wherever you happen to be, um, it feels to me like the city of Austin and the surrounding areas have taken this very seriously. Uh, the state of Texas as a whole um, seems to have uh, have been has been fairly proactive. I mean, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that have that have happened, um, in, including the shelter in place orders that uh, it feels to me. Uh, like we're we're doing what we can do, you know. I mean, that there's not much we can do at this point except to be uh, to be mindful of the fact that uh, this is uh, something that is affecting a lot of folks that are vulnerable, <clears throat> and for us uh, to uh, to act like there's nothing going on to us to for, to act like there's no danger and there's no. Um, um, there's no harm that can be done to folks as a result of this, I think is, is kind of irresponsible. And so there's a lot of folks that I know that are, that are full of anxiety, including, including me, you know, I mean, I, I've been anxious about this, about what the, what the, uh, outcomes are going to be. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do is to, to, to just find ways to, to help those that are listening to me, those that happen to be. Uh, friends of mine, uh, you know, over the course of the years and on Facebook, social media, the people that follow uh, this, the work that I've been doing, whether it's podcasts, whether it's preaching, uh, whatever it is <clears throat> that uh, that I've been uh, trying to do over the past couple of weeks, I've been trying to give a word of hope and to help uh, try to find some of the meaning that's in the midst of this. And the interesting thing about the book of Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, he was doing the same thing. He was trying to figure out how to give the people a word of hope uh, in the midst of uncertainty. Um, and so what I wanted to do today is I want to kind of start off with a couple of stories because uh, this passage that we're going to be taking a look at today um, is a continuing uh, sort of conversation that the prophet Habakkuk is having with God. Uh, on behalf of the people. So going to God uh, and asking God, you know, what is happening here? Why are these things going on? Why are we experiencing such uh, anxiety and fear and dread? Why is there so much destruction around us? This was a very, very 
challenging and horrible time in the history of the Hebrew people and um, particularly the kingdom of Judah as uh, the Babylonians had come and basically destroyed the city, destroyed the walls, left the city a wasteland, destroyed the temple, um, tried to basically take the identity of these people and to reduce it to nothing uh, and take a whole bunch of people back to Babylon uh, to, you know, to, um, you know, kind of assimilate them to Babylonian culture. This was the way the Babylonians strengthened themselves as they would take uh, they would take people back uh, to Babylon in exile. <clears throat> and so that's what's happening here. Uh, and uh, so Habakkuk is, is struggling to try to figure this out. Um, this particular passage has to do with who's in charge, essentially. Uh, who is Lord? And so for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we will proclaim, at least that's what uh, is part of our tradition, that's part of our faith, that's part of our theology, our understanding of what it means uh, to be a child of God. Um, we proclaim that, uh, that there is a Lord. There is someone who is a Lord of our life, Lord of all things. And when I say the word Lord, what I mean is, is there's, there's someone that is worthy of our obedience, our, our love, our affection, our surrender, uh, that there's someone who uh, is worthy of that, that we can, we can freely and faithfully and full of hope and trust uh, surrender our lives and know that every aspect of our lives, if we surrender those uh, to the Lord of our life, um, and for those of us who call ourselves Christians and say that we follow Jesus, then the Lord of our life would be Jesus the Christ, uh, the Messiah. Um, <clears throat> there was uh, quite a few years ago, there was this guy, his name was uh, Jose Luis Espinal, uh, and he wanted to uh, petition, he petitioned actually a judge in New York to change his name to Jesus Christ. <laughs> And his stated reason for changing his name to Jesus Christ was he wanted his name to match who he really believed he was on the inside. So he firmly believed that he was living like Jesus Christ, acting like Jesus Christ, thinking like Jesus Christ, and speaking like Jesus Christ. So he had uh, this sort of uh, idea, this perverse knowledge that had come to him that he was... Uh, in fact, uh, all these things are right. And so he felt his name should be Jesus Christ. I mean, there's a perverse kind of logic to this, right? I mean, you know, if you, if you look at the scriptures and especially in the, the new Testament where the apostle Paul talks a lot about being in Christ and how Christ is in all and through all and is all, um, you know, it's easy to see how somebody who had a few issues, uh, might take that and decide, um, that, you know, this is something that, that they should do. You know, that if, if indeed uh, that these are the things that I'm, that I'm understanding and that I believe um, that, you know, I'm in, that Christ is in me and I'm in Christ, then, uh, then therefore I should be named Jesus Christ. The problem was is that he wasn't Jesus Christ and, and still isn't. So there's a, there's a problem with identity um, with that particular thing, right? There's, a, there's a, a way that so many of us, we, you know, we try so hard, I think, sometimes uh, to, um, uh, to live into our faith, to, to do the things that we are, are saying that we're, you know, we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus is to be more like Christ. 
Um, but the issue that most of us have is that we don't want to give up all of our life, right? You know, we, we, we want to follow Jesus as long as it's comfortable. We want to follow Jesus as long as it's easy. We want to follow Jesus uh, when things are going great. And when things are not, uh, the idea of trying to be like Christ, trying to follow uh, Jesus in that, that respect, um, it can kind of fall apart uh, when uh, we are not surrendering everything. Um, there was a story that broke in the news uh, quite some time ago. It was, it was a big story uh, at the time. <clears throat> because uh, there was this guy who was a politician in a small town. Um, his name was uh, was Jack uh, Gano, and Gano had all of these medals. He had uh, Purple Hearts. I mean, citations and awards for military service. He had uniforms that he would wear to special occasions that he had festooned with all these medals and ribbons. The guy was honored on Veterans Day events. He was a regular speaker at patriotic programs, and he won easily won elections to his city council seat. But then the truth came out <laughs> that he had never actually served in the military. It was all a lie. He had purchased the uniforms. He'd ordered the medals. He faked the records and the citations. And for decades, it passed himself off as a hero. So a veterans group discovered the problems with his claims and the official records. And so they confronted him about it. And for several years, he denied that he had done anything wrong. The committee came to his defense, you know, and, and said that there was just mistakes and, and that this was, uh, this, was not, this was not really this guy, that he had never really lied. But finally, he broke down and he admitted everything. He said that he wanted to come clean because the years of lying had caught up with him and he wanted to be right with God. That and he got caught. <laughs> he got backed into a corner. So it's funny how so many of us, we work so hard, like I said, to try to be somebody else, you know, um, and, and sometimes it starts when we begin to tell ourselves that all we need it, to find a true life and to find true happiness is just to change our name, to create an identity, buy something expensive, get a better job, fix our relationship, find some purpose in life, or in the case of those of us who call ourselves Christians, to try to become even more uh, Christian than, than we have been in the past, to be overly Christian so to speak. And we see this manifesting itself in uh, the folks who uh, become obsessed over the rules and the regulations and over behavior and, and uh, over all those kinds of things, focusing on that rather than on the actual message of Jesus, the message of hope and resurrection and of uh, eternal life right now. Um, and, and so this is what we see happening right now in this crisis. There, there's a lot of folks that uh, have decided uh, that all of these things that are happening to us are uh, God's judgment upon the earth uh, because of sinful humanity. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of desperation out there. There's a lot, of, a lot of questions, a lot of people who are struggling to try to make sense of this. And to make matters worse, you know, for us, you know, all, all of the other stress that we have and all the other things that were going on, uncertain times, you know, add to it. There's not a single one of us right now uh, who would turn down the chance to change this, to, to live a better life if it was offered to us, uh, to, to try to, 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 to just put an end to all this uncertainty so that we can move on to the next thing. But here's the thing. It is being offered to us, this new life, this this transformative way of living is being offered to us now, even in the midst of our uncertainty. 
what it means to truly live the God, the life that God intends for us to live. Uh, that's something that requires some surrender. It requires a true Lord in our life. And so in today's passage, God continues to answer Habakkuk's complaints. And last week or the last time that we met or that we talked, the episode that was right before this, uh, we explored how God told Habakkuk about the amazing things that were about to happen, that redemption was coming. And if Habakkuk wasn't careful, he might miss it. That's the message that Habakkuk is giving to the people. Like you have to be ready that God's going to do something new and exciting and interesting. And you have to be ready. You can't be asleep. You can't be looking away, right? You have to be attentive. Uh, And God also declares to Habakkuk that not only does he need to be expecting something amazing, but he also needs to know who's in charge, that who is Lord. And so God unleashes some warnings about those who refuse to acknowledge his lordship. Uh, it's almost as if God is saying, if you don't believe that I'm going to do these things, then you better buckle up, man, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Um, and for those who struggle, for those who struggle to uh, surrender, who struggle to uh, acknowledge that uh, that God is is sovereign, then there's going to be some, some problems. And so in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 5 through 20, this is the passage that we're going to be taking a look at right now. This is what it says. Indeed, wine betrays him. So God is talking about the person who who refuses to acknowledge that uh, that God is sovereign, that that there is a Lord above all things. Uh, indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captives of all the peoples. Speaking directly here, this is what uh, God is doing, is speaking directly here to the Babylonians. Um, He's saying to Habakkuk, hey, uh, these people that seem to be getting the upper hand on you and 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 this feels like it's going to that they're going to win, that there's no there's no way back from this. that, that this is what he's, he's speaking to. He's like, these are the people that refuse to acknowledge that there, um, that there is a Lord above all other Lords. Um, and, uh, and so this is what God says, will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn saying, woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long will this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey because you have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left will plunder you for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. So God is saying all of these things that you have destroyed, you have tried to to tear down, the very stones will cry out against you. They They will indict you. Uh, Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So there's a time coming, uh, God is saying, when when everyone's going to be able to see this. They will see uh, the demise and the destruction of those who have decided that they are their own God to a certain extent. 
Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life or to lifeless stone. Wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. So verse five of this passage uses the phrase greedy is the grave because the grave is never empty to describe the unrighteous. In this case, God is referring to Babylonians directly and indirectly with all those who do the very things that the Babylonians do. So what are these things? Well, each of the warnings that are issued here begin with the word woe, like W-O-E exclamation point. I, I don't think we use this word enough. I mean, it's a good word and one that deserves some resurrection back into our usable lexicon. Uh, God is pointing out what it, what it looks like when people don't live a life with the true Lord, uh, that they're the thing that they're afraid of, right? Uh, the boogeyman, the, uh, the, the one who has, uh, has, has seeming to get the leg up on God's people uh, in this particular case, uh, that you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to be afraid of the Babylonians. You don't have to be afraid of all these things because God is in charge. Uh, and there's going to come a reckoning at some point. And verses six through eight begin with woe to him who piles up stolen goods. Um, so this is a kind of uh, indictment against these people who go and they plunder other nations. They go and plunder other cities and destroy them. I mean, we kind of get this. I mean, the most honored and lauded people in our culture seem to be the ones who, who, you know, go out and and somehow manage to become gazillionaires because uh, of the fact that they, uh, you know, were corporate raiders or a CEO or, you know, something like that. We celebrate people who win the lottery. We, we pay individual athletes more than the GDP of some developing countries. Uh, and, uh, you know, these are the kinds of things that God is saying. You're like, if you put all your faith and trust in that kind of stuff, if you're lifting up that kind of thing, um, you know, then, you know, this is not, this is not what I want. This is not what I desire for my people. I want my people to, to have different values and those kinds of things that you see happening. They are not to be, uh, lauded. They are not to be celebrated. Verses nine through 11 begin with woe to him who builds a house house with unjust gain. So this is the kind of person who pursues success without humility, uh, the kind of people who think they deserve better and are better than everyone else, uh, the kind of people who are willing to step on other people to get where they need to be. And, and so God is indicting uh, this, this group of people who have done this uh, to, uh, to the kingdom of Judah, who've done it to the whole world, in fact, uh, the Babylonians. Verses 12 through 14 begin with, Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed, uh, these are the kind of people who use power without mercy. They don't care about the less fortunate, the broken, and the lost. In verses 15 through 17, it says, Woe to him who gives drink uh, to their neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk. 
this is the person who achieves victory without honor. They're not gracious or grateful. They love it when they can get one over on somebody uh, by discrediting them, shaming them, making them look less than. And then finally, uh, there's, there's the woe of what good is an idol carved by a craftsman. Woe to him who says wood come to life. Um, this is a person who, uh, who thinks that they can create their own God, essentially. They put their faith and trust in everything but God. They put their faith and trust in uh, their own strength, their own power, their own creations, their own abilities. Uh, you know, so it's sort of an individualistic kind of approach uh, to something that's not God, that's not going to respond uh, favorably when things are not great. And then there's verse 20, which is the answer to all this. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I think it's interesting that that uh, last line is part of this because the temple has been destroyed at this point. There is no temple, but this is what is being proclaimed because, you know, the, the way that the ancient Hebrew people would talk about this, at least in poetic form, is that the, the, temp, the earth is the temple of the Lord. Um, that everywhere uh, is God's temple. You know, the people had gotten to this point where they thought uh, that God only sort of interacted with them through the temple system and all that was taken away. And so uh, they're having to reimagine and rethink what they think about God and to go back to some some older sort of understandings that God was present in all things and everywhere. So this is a warning and a lesson. So God demonstrates that the punishment here for these people are going to kind of fit the crime um, that that these people who have lived their life a certain way, they've lived, they've developed their kingdom, they've developed their power and their empire uh, from a, a particular way of doing things, that they will then uh, sort of be hoisted on their own petard. They're gonna they're gonna have their own sort of uh, methods used against them. Um, and, you know, this seems unbelievable, right? Because at the time, it, it felt like that there's nothing that's going to stand in the way of the Babylonians. There's nothing that's going to be able to stop them. They were so powerful, so mighty. Uh, they overwhelmed all of the nations of the earth. They defeated Egypt, the great uh, and ancient uh, power of Egypt. They defeated them. They destroyed uh, their, their uh, enemies all around the world. Um, and then even those who had not been their enemies, they took them sl into slavery. They made them vassals. They, they took their, their riches and, and everything from them in order to enrich themselves. And so in the end, God tells Habakkuk that despite the fact that this seems impossible, despite the fact that these people seem so powerful, um, I am still in control. I am still on my throne, which is everywhere. So all you need to do is to be quiet. The earth needs to be silent. What does true life look like when we have a true Lord? I think it's when we realize that we need to just stop calling ourselves followers of Jesus, stop calling ourselves uh, righteous people and actually begin to act like them. <laughs> I mean, you know, that that's really what it, what it comes down to, to practice what we preach, to, to actually put into practice the things that we say that we believe when Jesus is Lord of our life, you know, we find riches in poverty. We find success in failure. We find power in powerlessness. There's victory in defeat. And we learn what it means to worship God with all that we are. You see, right now, 
there's a there's a lot of people that are struggling because it feels like there's so much that's out of our control. There's there's this virus that is that is permeating all of our society and has taken down uh, economies and has shut down countries and cities and has even you know taken its toll on on many of us who uh, have had you know friends or people that we know that have that have become ill because of this. I mean, it's not a nameless and faceless thing anymore. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting is one of the news channels, um, you know, on their website, one of the 24-hour news channels, uh, you know, on their website, they had, a, they had a story like of the faces of some of the people that had died of the coronavirus. And I, and I thought that that was an interesting take on that because it took it from something that was like a nameless, faceless kind of fear and, and it put it into real form. Like these are real people. It's not just something that's formless and void out there. That's, that's taking a toll on someone else, somewhere else. I mean, these are, this is happening right now in real time. There are people that are suffering from this and it feels like there's no end, right? It feels like there's no way through this. I mean, we all want there to be an end. There's politicians who are saying that this needs to come to an end in a couple of weeks or three weeks or by Easter or, um, and then there's others that are saying that it's going to take longer, that this is going to get way worse before it gets better. And so it feels a lot like there's just an impossibility to all this. And so what does God say to Habakkuk in the midst of this? God says, I am in charge. All of these things that you're afraid of, it's going to come to an end. There's going to be a turning. And when that turning happens, it's going to be amazing. There's going to be amazing things that will come to light. Um, and all you need to do is just realize that I am in charge, that I'm in control, that God is sovereign. God doesn't cause all things, but God is present in all things. And there is a trajectory of the earth and of, uh, of time and of, of all things, right? There's a trajectory of the universe that arcs towards justice, that arcs towards shalom, of the righteousness of God. And so for us, as we sit here in the midst of this struggle, the thing that we need to remember most of all is that if we're going to be followers of Christ, um, and for those of us who say that we're Christians, we believe that, uh, that uh, Jesus is the embodiment of the eternal and universal Christ, uh, who John in John chapter one speaks of when he says, in the beginning was the logos, uh, the blueprint or the Christ in the beginning uh, was the Christ and the Christ was with God and the Christ was God and all things were made through the Christ. There's not anything that was made that wasn't made through the Christ, the blueprint, the eternal logos, the word of God, the creative expressive word. So uh, we believe uh, that Jesus is the embodiment of that, of the Christ, uh, which essentially then gives us a glimpse uh, in human form uh, of uh, what God is all about, what God is like, what God wants, what God desires, and what God desires of us. And what is desired of us? What is required of us as followers of Christ? It's simply to be willing to surrender our lives to Jesus. That's it. To surrender. To recognize that, that there is a true Lord of our life. That there is someone who is worthy of our surrender, worthy of our obedience, worthy of our worship. Uh, and so in the midst of all of this, what, what I'm hoping that you'll get from all of these teachings from Habakkuk, and we'll conclude the, the series next episode, 
But what I'm hoping that you're getting is that there's hope in the midst of all this. There's hope in the midst of this struggle because God is still in control. The Lord is in his holy temple, which is everywhere. And so let all the earth be silent. We can rest in that knowledge that that there is a Lord and that we're not that Lord and we can rest in that. So I hope that uh, that is something that speaks to you. Uh, It sure does speak to me during this challenging season. Uh, Next episode, we will be concluding this series on Habakkuk. Uh, and then after that, we're going to be doing some other podcasts. You'll see some other, you'll hear some other voices on here as well. Um, and we'll be having some conversations about um, all kinds of cool stuff as we continue the podcast. Uh, we're going to do it bi-weekly. So each week there'll be two episodes uh, until all of this is over. And then once it's over, I want to try to continue doing this podcast as, as uh, on a weekly basis if possible. Um, I've enjoyed uh, to continue doing this and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it too. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Come back and see us and listen to us at the next episode. Take care.